0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need, all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying Inquiries of Our Reality, I'd really appreciate it if you could drop a review or rating and I'll give you a shout out on the show. While you're at it, come join the Telegram group and follow the show on Instagram and across social media. If you'd like to support the show, check me out over on Patreon for early access to Inquiries of Our Reality and Big Dumb Inquiries, which is the Swapcast show I co-host with Kyle Rainey of the Big Dumb Podcast. If you'd like to pick up some merch, come check out the merch store. If you want to help me out to upgrade my equipment and pump out even more awesome content for you guys, Come donate over on Anchor or Kofi. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered, or you feel you have something to contribute to the show, send me an email at Inquiries of All Reality Podcast at Outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the Link Tree link to be directed. Thanks everyone. I appreciate you and I couldn't be doing this without you. Now enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. To the now seventeenth episode of Inquiries of Our Reality, today I have with me Bill and Adam from Thirteen Questions. How's it going, guys? Very well. How are you doing, my friend? Not too bad. Very happy to have you guys on. So uh, I guess to get started here, why don't you uh, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about your podcast?
2: Yeah, well, thanks for having us on. And I guess Adam, uh, since you got here to the podcast before I did, do you want to do you want to field this one? <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know,
3: yeah. Darren of the Grimerica show uh, created this podcast as a place for men to um, get wisdom about just this incredible uh, changing world. Uh, you know, uh, the the moniker of manhood in the digital age. Um, and he had a group of really brilliant people around him, and he said, you know. Like, what are the types of questions that can really dig at deep wisdom? And so he had uh, just many, many, many people suggest ideas and he put all these questions together and he came up with uh, originally 14 of them and we've uh, expanded um, and cycled out a few questions from there. But yeah, um, it's, it's not so much a podcast where there's 13 questions with 13 right or wrong answers. But the answers are kind of like roadmaps of wisdom.
1: It's definitely a cool setup. I'm sure it's going to be different being on the other side of the microphone this time. It
2: is. It's nice not having to ask the questions for once. (laughs) This Actually, I think this is Adam and I's first time doing a guest spot together. Isn't that right, Adam?
1: Yeah, I do believe you are right, sir. So this is a super special podcast then. Finally got both you guys together because we were trying to do one earlier this week except Adam you weren't available at the time so I figured we'd hold out for a minute and get to do this so I'm glad we did but uh, I guess to get started since you guys are on the opposite side of the microphone this time uh starting with Bill I'd love to hear what got you into this type of research in this community
2: oh as far like the truther community or yeah
0: Yeah.
2: um I've always been kind of interested in comparative religion since uh, I guess I was a young boy (laughs) uh maybe junior high-ish I remember reading this book, I don't even remember the name of it, but it had to do with the Ark of the Covenant and how uh, there was electrical charge involved and something to do with monoatomic gold. And I don't remember all the details, but uh, so I've always just uh, been drawn to those types of topics that aren't really talked about too much. Uh, I grew up in the Catholic Church. And so when asking questions about faith and, and, and things and being met with re- resistance and not finding the answers I wanted led me to you know, look at other things. So I started with uh, Judaism, obviously, which the Ark of the Covenant that it has to do with Moses and all that stuff. And, and uh, branching off from there, I just, got, it just expanded and uh, ended up majoring in philosophy and had a few interesting experiences along the way and it just hasn't stopped. And now I've uh, found myself able to do this podcast, which is awesome because I get to talk to all these wonderful people now. So it's been quite a journey.
1: Oh, yeah. And definitely, it's one of those things that once you start hitting the tip of the iceberg, you realize how big the iceberg is, where everybody starts off with one small topic and it always expands into a way bigger spectrum of things that you get interested in. So, uh, how, how about you, Adam? What, what got you into this community and the Truther community? Yeah, I'd say it probably started back in high
3: school. You know, I was uh, on the opposite end, you know, pretty much believed, you know, whatever I was told you know, good little uh, citizen, was an ROTC, you know, indoctrinated by the military. And then all my friends started coming back um, saying, yeah, you know, the recruiter lied to me, this and that. And I had a teacher, you know, telling me like, listen, you know, you're probably going to score well on your ASVABs. I wouldn't take them if I were you. So I started dodging those because he's like, yeah, I'm like 39. You know, I'm outside the military uh, requirements, but they're still asking me to this day. So if you don't want to be bugged, and you know, just between all of these other things, I was like, "Yeah, okay, well, um, yeah." Just started distrusting that part of um, that part of the system, and eventually, I got into um, uh, retail um, security and got trained in doing in uh, retail interrogations, and that just blew my mind. It completely changed my mind on how people work, how. Uh, how everybody is the same, how we justify our actions and how, you know, you can stick to a script and get somebody to tell you a truth that is going to send them to jail and they're going to thank you for it. And you just have to follow a certain script, watch for certain cues, say things at certain times. And it taught me that you, we are way more like a computer than we could ever understand. And when I started being able to hack people in that way, And then not only that, have people be like crying and happy that they went through that uh, experience that just really just completely changed my outlook on human beings and, you know, how malleable and manipulated we are. So, um, yeah, strangely between, you know, my friends coming back from the military and retail kind of just blew my mind on, I don't know, I guess, you know, the, the, the cult of culture that we are really in.
1: It's kind of interesting, too. It seems like your guys two topics kind of combined to make this make your show because you got <clears throat> Bill over here who's interested in more of like the truth or your community side, which would be where most of your guests come from. And then you got Adam who's interested in the psychology side who would bring in the like 13 questions aspect on uh, giving different words of wisdom to people depending on the different questions you ask them. So, that being said,, um, I'd like to hop back to Bill for a second. Um, you said that you like to compare religions. Uh, that's definitely a topic that I've always been interested in. Uh, as far as from your research uh what's what's the most viable comparisons that you've noticed yourself?
2: Um, well, from my research, I guess uh, coming out of the the indoctrination that is the Catholic Church, I would say that from breaking out of that that of that paradigm that uh, I can say that they're all. Um, As Adam kind of mentioned earlier, cults, or mentioned the word cult earlier, um, I think that, you know, organized religion, as it stands right now, is maybe uh, they're more of a uh, control mechanism for the masses. And uh, yeah, so nobody, nobody joins a cult on purpose. Nobody realizes what's happening and how they're being manipulated until, you know, something, they come to terms with with it, however they do. So, yeah. that, that's, I guess that's one main aspect uh, of, of organized religions, I would say. Um, and I guess if you would maybe term, I don't know, Hinduism and Buddhism as non-organized religions, but um, I would say that anybody that claims to have all the answers, uh, you know, if you can't scrutinize them, that's probably not a good person to, to kind of follow and emulate, especially spiritually. Um, we were just talking to, a guest this past, uh, this past morning, and I, I mentioned a quote, I can't remember who it was from, but uh, it was saying, uh, if you meet the Buddha along the path to enlightenment, then you should kill him. Because, uh, and that's from, you know, an Eastern tradition. And as uh, the point being, uh, if anybody says that they have all the answers, and you're not really doing your own self discernment at that point and you're listening to somebody else, then yeah, that's, that's a hallmark of all the religions. I, I would say is the most prevalent.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've always liked to compare things as far as religions go myself. And I've definitely noticed that it's more of like a power struggle where religion, religion always starts off at a very good, peaceful point, And all it takes is one bad apple to come in and completely take power in that religion and force it into something that it was never intended to be. And they use a bunch of different, uh, psychological tricks in order to make this happen. So that being said, Adam, have you noticed any particular tricks that they use as far as organized religion to get people to start following them from your experience with these kinds of things? Well, I mean, anytime that you can get people to start making
3: decisions out of emotion instead of out of, you know, uh, logic, you know, you, you completely circumvent that, that system. Um, you know, but ultimately at the end of the day, you know, the reason that there's a hook to it is because at the core of religion and these experiences in the world that we live in, you know, there's something there that still gives people benefit that still works. And, you know, I kind of like to think of it in this way of, you know, if we live in a magical world, no matter how you try to take out the magic, like you're you're not going to do it, it's still there. So even in within, you know, uh, a corrupt organized religion, we're still living in a magical world and you can't really scrub that out kind of in the idea that. Um, you know, in all the, the darkness of the world, you know, it, it cannot extinguish the single light of a candle, wherever that quote came from. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of think of it in the, the same type of, uh, type of a way that, yeah, these systems are corrupt. Um, but to the point before, you know, find your own answers, because there is no definitive answer to, to everything. There are many ways and many ways of being
1: Where I feel like religion, it's definitely a thing where a lot of them have the answers, but it's spaced out between a lot of the religions. And one of the biggest problems with religion is the fact that everybody completely jumps into one, and they're not interested in finding the truths between all of them. Like, for example, one thing that I always like to bring up is that a lot of these ancient religions and old religions talk about the Great Flood. So considering that, I feel like that's definitely proof that this happened, of course, on top of like physical evidence that we have at this point but people almost need to like step back and stop putting all their faith into one particular religion and start stepping back and trying to find the similarities between all these religions because there's definitely answers hidden there uh it's just a matter of they've been so uh diluted through the years through going through different languages uh different rewritings of the book that we've lost touch from what the original meaning of almost all of these religions are Well, and people assume
3: that, you know, one group has all the answers and, you know, I just, I don't think it's that way. You know, if a broken clock is right twice a day, you can't discount the time when it's right. So, you know, even within all systems and all religions and all groups, all ways of thinking, all governments, you know, whatever system you want, there's, you know, there's things that work and there's things that don't, you know, I I like to view the universe as being, you know, in evolution you know, not just on the creature, but in everything, you know, you get to a point where certain types of governments don't work because they are evolving and they need to move on and become something else. And, you know, in this constant, uh, you know, reworking of time, yeah, there there is no ultimate answer. We're, we're slowly working our way towards, you know, more efficient systems, more efficient ways of thought, uh, of being, um, but there's no, like, this is the way. No, I mean, uh, if this was the way, then you do one thing forever the same way. And that's it. You know, we're, we we do not get a pen. We only have pencils.
1: Very true. So speaking about corrupt systems, you said that you used to be, uh, ex-military. What's some things that you noticed yourself that you would only notice from being in the military, uh, that you feel have corrupted the system from where its start point was, where it was intended to be something good. Yeah, I never went into the military, but I was
3: in a ROTC, which was just for, you know, high school, um, Air Force. So, you know, you get uh, increased ranking when you go in um, training ahead of time. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the real corruptness I was exposed to off the front was just that, you know, the recruiters will lie to you and tell you things that aren't true just to get you in. And that's that. And there is no repercussion. You sign the papers. You're going to take into your body what they say and and do what you're told And, you know, that's not the facade that is given to you when you're in the system. So, I mean, that right there on the front, you know, uh, plus having, um, you know, a lot of good friends uh, in years uh, from then that were recruiters or were in the military, but were the good people that say, no, no, listen, uh, the military is good for a lot of people. And it was good for me for these reasons. However, if you know anybody that's going to go in, have them come to me because I will tell them the truth, not not what the recruiter needs to, you know, say to get his numbers boosted up.
1: So I've definitely noticed that there's a lot of tricks that it seems like religions and government jobs, whatever you want to call them, military, be it whatever it happens to be, uh, they seem to use a lot of these same power moves. And a lot of it seems to be that even with cults, they try to find people that aren't sure about a lot of things, and they take advantage of that to make it seem like they have all the answers So what what, what do cults do, you know, everybody acts the
3: same, you dress the same, you get the same haircut. You know, these are things that are just very basic into what you would normally consider, you know, a a cult, but the military, you know, they are a cult, you know, Um, and yeah, so you just have to understand that those tricks and tools are utilized to great success. And obviously, you know, uh, the current state of our country and the world, you know, it's good that we have a military, Uh, I'm not a fan of, you know, how it is operated and how they mold the minds of um, of the the young. Um, You know, it's a system where you do what you're told and you have no moral opinion or right of your own. And if you don't do what we say, then there's repercussions. You signed the paper.
1: Very close with cults in the aspect of you can't ask any questions. Otherwise, you might fear for your life, depending on what the cult is. And as far as religion, they don't have any like signups. But if you start asking the wrong questions or you go too far out of line, uh, they try to push you away from their church or whatever group they happen to be. So it seems like it's a pretty, pretty selective group in a sense that they want these people that aren't sure that they know that they can kind of mold and melt their minds.
2: Yeah. And with the uh, the whole uniform and the cult thing, you can apply that to I went to a Catholic school up up until uh, 12th grade, I guess and we had uniforms the entire time right so expecting everybody to do the same thing and not questioning authority and if you do you get reprimanded in some way like those are parallels between both both systems right both uh, organizations i guess so yeah they're 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 looking for not people that aren't i guess yeah not unsure is one way to put it
1: Say coming from a, from your background, considering that you went to Catholic school and stuff, um, what are other things that you've noticed that are faults in that system that aren't known by the general public?
2: Um, a lot of hypocrisy, I, I would say, um, especially when it comes I don't, uh, to more morals. Uh, if you look at the the interworkings it, as closely as one can look at the interworkings of the Vatican and the politics that go on in that city in in Italy where they're still speaking Latin as far as, as I know at least it's on the ATM machines so um, like there there's a lot of uh, homosexuality that that is not really talked about and covered up it's been going on for for years in fact one of the that one of the pairs parish priests in, in my, my, my school that I went to was recently accused and, and, uh, you know, found guilty, but then pardoned. So, uh, I, he was around before I got there. So I didn't get to experience that. Thank God. Uh, so yeah, they don't, they don't really practice, practice what they preach and that,
1: that, uh, you know, that's not good for anybody. Say <laughs> so with both of your guys' knowledge, uh, coming from your religious background and from your, uh, ROTC background. What do you think is the best way for somebody to go about living their life if they're an unsure person and you don't want them to fall into these types of cults, religions, military uh, organizations, government organizations, all that kind of stuff altogether? All these different types of organizations that try to take advantage of people that are unsure about life. Well,
3: oh, what's yeah. your I, guys' best advice? I think of the world uh, from the way of like Spooky Molder in trust no one. You know, just trust no one. Make up your own mind and do your own research and come to your own conclusions uh, because there is no one right hardcore answer. You know, there's very few few of those types of, of definitive things. Um, I've mentioned on our podcast before, I'm, I'm fascinated by this guy. I think his name's Billy, um, but he, tra- he's, he trains blind kids. He was blind himself as a kid and he was able to develop echolocation meaning he can make clicks, he can ride a bicycle, he can move around in his environment, and he interprets the world through the, the sound that's getting kicked back to him. But when they put him up into uh, an MRI, they're actually showing that the visual cortex of his brain is lighting up, and he has the same visual acuity as your peripheral vision. So he has the ability to see as well as you would see out the sides, Um, And obviously he can't read flat text, you know, because there's no dimensionality there. But, you know, if there's a car, if there's a curb, if there's a person walking, you know, he's seeing that in the world. He's seeing trees and things. And, you know, I like to take that into the fact that, yes, the blind man can see. The blind man literally can see in his mind. And, you know, when you try to wrap your head around that aspect of reality, I I like to look at everything through that, that fractal.
1: It's very, very weird too that how when you don't have one sense, all your other ones heighten and it shows the capability that the human brain actually does have that we don't normally think of using because we don't have a need to use these types of things. Oh yeah, and all the things that are purposely
3: suppressed within humanity, you know. Uh, just think about I mean, I, I think all the time about all the the great innovation and in engineering that got us to where we are, to got us to having the technology, the transistor, the transistor, the television, the, the thought that got to it. But now we've got into this like this looping back in the self-masturbation of what are we doing? You know, it's all Twitter comments and video games and, you know, uh, you know, you can't see the forest through the trees. So there could be some great evolutionary benefit, you know, in the way that uh, Joe Rogan talks about us, you know, kind of being this technological butterfly that doesn't know that it's it's a caterpillar but one day we're gonna turn into this other beautiful amazing thing but right now from where i see things i'm i don't know i'm i'm very saddened by just the amount of of mental power and ability that is now i mean A lot of people live really well and really comfortable and we don't have to struggle. Therefore, we're not trying to figure out these great problems. We're here and we're surviving and we're living in the mind cage that's created for us.
1: I like using this one quote that it's kind of falls into today, too, but it's uh, how do I word it exactly? It's weak men create hard times, hard times create strong men, and then strong men create easy times. And it's like that continuous cycle pretty much that. You have to have strong men to create easy times. And then you have to have easy times create weak men. And then the cycle continues. And it seems like we're at the point right now where the men are weak. And- well, And it's built I'm- into nature. You show this with people after you have um,
3: starvation in countries, there's areas. Well, guess what? The following generation who's exposed to that extreme starvation now has different health benefits and the ability to survive without food for longer. And so there's all these other things that get built in. And, you know, we're part of it. We, we literally cannot tell that we're part of it. Um, I also like to think that we're domesticated in the same way that if you take a fox or you take a cat and or any animal, you know, if you change their behavior, they become cute. They literally become cute. They become this thing that becomes uh, like attractive to human beings and more meek and less terrifying and more childlike. And I look at human beings as, you know, possibly the same way. I mean, we have pigs, you take a pig, you keep it in a pen. It's going to be a pig, It's, you know, not anything terrifying. If you let it out for months into the, the wild, just to live on its own without cages and food provided for it. Now it becomes a bore. It's genetics change. It gets tusks. It gets teeth. It becomes aggressive, can be a terrifying uh, animal to deal with. And so, yeah, I see us as, you know, just, having been domesticated and yeah I mean obviously marketing works you know cultural work so we are part of it. it it would be it would be fun if we could have you know that internet way back machine to be able to go and you know what were the Vikings really like what were their physiology really like you know what was their mentality really like I am hopeful for technology um, for that reason like I it's kind of like a, a a joke meme that you've seen around like, oh, uh, Nicholas Cage was in the old West and here's a picture of him. But I find that stuff fascinating because, well, let's say we do this for another, you know, several thousand years and we have everybody's image loaded into social media type thing or whatever the new thing's going to be. Well, maybe there really are certain types of, you know, uh, physical archetypes, you know, these personalities. Maybe there are things that start to transcend time that we can start to uh, start to track so you know even within that uh the, the despair of the digital world i, I have hope that it could lead us uh you know to some pretty magical realities very true
1: say that i've always thought about two different concepts too like if uh time travel gets created theoretically in a couple of years it could explain why there's people that look like modern day people in the past and then the other theory i've heard is that um There's only so many different combinations of faces you can make, so at some point they're bound to repeat themselves. So that could be another possibility on why there's a bunch of old pictures of old people that look look like recent people. Or option three, it's just photo editing. It's scary how good that the
3: military-industrial complex has gotten at this, Uh, because of war and having so many people getting blown up in war, and the ability to uh, create uh, to collect samples. They've now got databases that they use for crimes where if you commit a crime they can to a like they can put create an image of what they think you're going to look like and these things are incredibly accurate well why is that because we've killed enough people and taken enough of their dna and looked at taken photos of what they look like to extrapolate on the whole with your dna what you should look like so yeah absolutely you know we, we it doesn't make sense that you know if i have your toothbrush i know what you look like and it's not in the know that you look like, like it's, you know, Mila from uh, the fifth element being built and constructed. No, these are, you know, educated guesses that just are always right based on assumptions
1: that we see in these patterns within us. So, yeah. Saying technology moves really fast. So if you're already at that point now, in another year, oh, yeah. we could be like double beyond
3: uh, that. Oh, but beyond that, I mean... And, you know, the deep system has, you know, bare minimum, probably 20 years, you know, uh, technological advance on us, some area 60. I mean, just have to look at how long was the SR-71 built and designed and flown for before we knew about it, before the, you know, SR-71, before all of these, you know, the F-22 uh, and then there's planes out there, the Aurora, and there's other things that we have no idea about. Meanwhile, the Air Force has had its own secret space program. It's not even secret, you know, but they're running the X-35. I think it's the X-35B, you know, out there going away for over 800 days at a time, unmanned. And these are the things that we know about. So, yeah, it's it's a huge, vast, and deep system that uh, we're just not cool enough to be part of the club to see.
1: Yeah. And uh, we won't even be able to understand this stuff in our lifetime. Cause like you said, if they have a 20 year jump, we'll be seeing something that looks like it's new and cutting edge, but they're only giving it to us because it's obsolete to them at that point. Yeah. I forget
3: his name now, but he was the the former head of the skunk works and he did a, uh, he did a, a talk um, very terrible audio recording. A lot of people were there, but he essentially said, look, we have the technology to take ET home. And if you start thinking about, you know, that type of a technology, and I even think from just like a military perspective, like, okay, well, you know, if, if I have ultimate military control, you know, I'm worried about what's going on here on earth, but I'm also smart enough to realize it's a pretty big universe. And I probably want to be looking out elsewhere. And, you know, especially with, you know, most people now becoming aware that the UFO, UAP topic is a real thing that's been with us for a very long time. Yeah, they're aware and they're focusing on other things and they're doing things that we are not aware of you know, and even if you start just looking at, you know, cyclical cataclysm and the government study of that, yeah, well, there might be reasons for them to hold back that technology and advance it and start doing things like, oh, I don't know, building underground bases and, you know, protective things for um, some some pretty pretty terrible futures for us. So, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that, but.
1: say I got a question for you coming off of that topic, actually. Uh, both of you guys, UFO idea. do you guys believe that it's government vehicles that we think are extraterrestrials or do you think that there is extraterrestrials in these or do you think it's a mix between both? No, it's probably both. I mean, you just have to look at the you know the technology that we have
3: that we know about and how long it's been released since war. you know it hasn't been a you know new spacecraft or aircraft that's really been you know unveiled to the public. So you know clearly there's a lot of stuff out there that people are going to see. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the stealth bomber, you know, was thought to be a UFO by many, you know, in silhouette and the way that it was flying. So, yeah, there's absolutely a ton of that technology, especially with, you know, everything that's been going on with drone technology and what we can do. I mean, Chinese lanterns used to be, you know, you know, very common for being um, seen in that way. But having said that, go through antiquity, you know, the story of the tic-tac, you know, that type of craft, the way that it moves, that's not a new story. That, that is essentially the core of what is being told has been happened to us. And, um, you know, my, my favorite thing with all that is people will say, like, well, you look, you know, if UFOs and aliens were real and the government knew about it, we would know about it. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. We do. It's the worst kept secret on the planet. We all watch the X-Files. This is one, you know, everybody's interested in aliens. Everybody knows about Area 51 and Bob Lazar. Well, yeah. So if there's truth in that, they've done a shit job of um, keeping that secret in. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm on on, the team that absolutely there are things going on that are beyond our capability and have been beyond our capability. And at the same time, once you know that you have that capability, you know where you're shooting for, and you know what's possible. And you know we know the technology that they have that we see, you know that gets unveiled, and you see some really crazy, um, crazy stuff out there. So yeah, I can only assume that uh, the government is absolutely trying to duplicate that technology. And you know, God, hope hopefully somebody has uh, the travesty is we're not allowed to know about that type of stuff. You know, it, it into the what's the right answer and and who has the right to know it? Well, I mean, the ability to get off this planet is something that should be a gift to all of us because, I mean, eventually bad things can happen. And if we're stuck here, I mean, that's it. You know, we don't have any options.
1: So I think it's going to be one of those things that they're going to try to profit off of where they either say, give me all your money or you're going to die on this planet. And everybody's going to have no choice but to give them all their money at that point. But going back to what you said about Bob Lazar, the best part that I like to mention about his story is that he never mentions seeing aliens, but he talks about trying to figure out how to recreate this zero-gravity technology. And if that was happening back in the 70s and they tried so hard to you know, pretend like he was just never existed, they destroyed all of his information, all that, That mean, as far as I'm concerned, that means he was on to something and he was trying to actually put out information because why else would they try that hard to try to make it look like he doesn't exist. Yeah. And the sad thing is, is, you know, that is how some deep state R&D works. You
3: know, everybody is segmented. So nobody knows enough about the project that you can even if you, you know, were captured and, you know, somebody tortured you for all the information, you don't have enough information to even know what you're ultimately uh, what you're ultimately going to be working on. So, you know, absolutely. I think that that could be a case Uh, I like to think of in this is going straight back to UFOs, but you probably saw a few years ago there was a picture of a UFO body that was, you know, supposedly recovered. It was photographed, and it was circulating around. And so there was this group of people, um, you know, within the ufology community, some big names that had this for months and months and months, and then finally came out, you know, saying, "Look, you know, we 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 verified this." So they released their data, they released the images, and it's within hours, like the same day. That it's determined that, yeah, this is an image that was taken out of a museum of a, you know, a display of a piece at this time. And it was fully verified because they crowdsourced the information and they were very easily able to quickly determine what was going on. And I think of the same way with science. You know, the greatest innovations in science have come from people doing really weird things like Einstein staring into candlelight. You know, there's these other ways of thinking and if you don't have the right person looking at the right problem, I mean, uh, Bob Lazar says it right. You know, if you came across a nuclear reactor, you know, in the mid, in the middle, uh, like medieval times, and you opened it up, yeah, it's going to kill everybody. And you're not going to know why. And you have no capability of telling why. As far as you know, it's just magic, it's a curse. You touched it, you open this lock, and then boom, everybody's instantly dead. Well, there's a whole science behind how that works and how you could control and use that. And yes, it's also a natural process. It's also a, you know, so yeah, um, definitely. That, that's probably the biggest travesty of humanity um, is that there has been this deeply guarded secret that probably has, I don't want to say answers, but, you know, the things that are trying to be solved, I'm sure can be solved if you have enough minds put at it.
1: And at the right time in history, too, because it's off of what you said, it kind of makes me wonder how many things are possible that could have been in the past that people perceived as magic, where if theoretically somebody figured out how to do time travel even a thousand years from now, it could have been something that got left in the past and they perceived it wrong and thought it was magic. And that's where a lot of these weird magic concepts could have theoretically came
3: from. And imagine this, this is the universe I like to think of. I like to think of, okay, we're living in a simulation, okay? We're living in a world in which AI has taken over. We're living in a world in which nanotechnology from an infinite number of civilizations has reworked the entire universe. Think of any possible terrifying scenario, you know, magical beings, you know, religion. All of these things in my mind are all active and all at play and that we are looking at. We are part of this incredibly... Complicated thing that we just don't understand. So, to me, any and all possibilities are on the table. I like to say that uh, uh, if we're living in a simulation, then what does it matter if the world is flat? And so, from that aspect, it goes right back to the idea that, look, you can you can try to swim against the current in the ocean. Damned if you're going to ever beat the ocean. You know, it's not going to happen. However. You can learn to swim with the waves. You can become a surfer. You know, you can you can use this energy and momentum to move around. And yeah, that's how I like to to view view our existence.
1: So actually, I was going to ask that question next. So now that you answered what you you think your perspective of reality is, uh, what about what about you, Bill? What do you think reality is? How would you describe this plane that we're in from your experiences?
2: I think simulation is is probably an an apt description of it. Um, there's scientific studies that that point to the holographic nature of the universe and how it is uh, non-local and however in that lends credence to the whole uh you know everything's connected we're all one argument that that um religion makes so or religion you know spirituality so that's i'm seeing that uh, the alchemical marriage of the two is what is really uh, seems to be the issue uh it seems that the spirituality and technology have been divorced from each other when I don't think that that was necessarily like that especially when you uh, go back and read about stories of like the golden age that we hear about in our histories which are questionable at best so I
3: mean technology is natural right Bill I mean if you kind of you would look at like a creature and its excretions and how a barnacle is holding and cementing itself and gluing itself to something, but meanwhile we're making concrete and buildings, and we don't see, you know, coral doing the same thing. So I, I like to see our technology as also being also natural, even though a lot of it is quote unquote unnatural. We are natural and we created.
1: But I mean, it's all a matter of perspective too, because I'm sure that back in the day when people started discovering things, everybody else saw them as unnatural. And now we're looking at them as primitive tools. But at that time, it was kind of perceived the same way as how we're perceiving technology now, where in another hundred years, we could be looking at the technology we have, like it's primitive and like, it's just something, you know, not anything interesting. And they will be so far beyond that. They'll be looking at that stuff the same way that we're looking at our technology now versus, you know, old technology will just be part of human history at that point. But I guess going off of simulation theory, too, another thing that I've been kind of thinking about lately is if simulation theory is actually a thing, that would kind of explain reincarnation through a lot of these different religions, because it's almost like you're just being thrown back into the game because there's no nowhere else to go. You know, what's up? What's your guys thoughts on that? I mean,
2: just by looking at all the different religions, they all talk about reincarnation. So what what's well, i don't really why is the, the the big question of if it exists or not is kind of silly to me at this point um and there's i forget who was 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 talking about uh was talking about this but it, it was somebody on gaia tv and i don't know you know too much about gaia's agenda or whatnot but they were saying that they were going to the speak to your reincarnation thing that there was a in aliens and ufos there was a theory that uh, there was a race of, of beings that were before us and they were called the homo divinus and they had some kind of uh, technology or means of remembering their past reincarnation. So that was their trick was to you now trick in air quotes, I guess, was to keep their memories between, you know, incarnations so that they would be wiser and, you know, possibly live longer and whatnot. So I think that's definitely something that has been, you know, that, that probably it's been talked about in the past. I don't know if it, if, if it, uh, If these people or these other beings existed or or are existed, but it's certainly been, I think it's interesting to think about. And
1: there's a lot of people that still claim that they can, they have that connection too, where they can remember their past life. So, I mean, who's to say that possibly those people might not be descendants of them if they did happen to exist? Because I'm sure that there was a lot of mixed breeding if there was two different races of humans. Um, same with a lot of different things. You'll notice that two mixed, two different races will start producing this new race. And then that new race will take over everything. So, I mean, if we were mixed with them, that might explain why some people claim to have the ability to remember past lives.
3: Yeah. There's actually a theory about this, that if you go back through time, that when all the mystics around the world were being uh, gathered up, that they were taking out genetics. You know, when you're, when you're going and looking and doing that, there are certain people that may be more gifted towards having psychic thought and, you know, you essentially scrubbed that, that extra human being hack into the system, kind of like in the way that not everybody's a Michael Phelps, Phelps, but if you're built like Michael Phelps, you know, chances are you're going to be able to train to be a much better swimmer than the average person. So, yeah, I absolutely think that that happened, you know, during all the crusades when they were going around and, you know, the, the seers were killed. Well, I mean, you're, you're killing off genes.
1: There's a lot of times through history where they were purposely selecting certain people to carry on. Like, for example, obviously during the Holocaust, they were trying to specifically have blonde hair, blue eyes. And even with a little bit, actually, I guess it's not as recent, it's a little bit older than that. But one point that I like to make, too, is that it sounds kind of messed up, but people that had slaves, I'm sure that they purposely would take two of the best slaves and they would try to produce an even stronger slave with that. And in turn, I'm sure that you end up seeing that with a bunch of different races through history that people have tried to alter their genetics to make them a more superior race by specifically having certain people breed with certain people. And I'm sure it was no different back in the day, even with like royalty, that they're very specific about who they would reproduce with because they're hoping that they would have some kind of better DNA or better genetics based off of that.
2: Yeah, the whole bloodline thing is super interesting. Um, I think that there's something to it when you you start tracing back history and you get back into uh, you know the formation of Europe and how all those families were were kind of one group right and it's and I think that the yeah the, uh, the like the Habsburg syndrome like is is an example of that I think that's like the big like drawn out chin or like elongated face that the uh, royalty in England I think it was had as a result of like inbreeding but yeah, that 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 topic
1: is super interesting to go down. I haven't. Uh, yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> it's kind of funny too how people are so determined to keep a bloodline alive that they're willing to inbreed. And a lot of these elite type people slash royalty claim to have some type of uh, ancestry to different races, possibly through time. A lot of them reference like Anunnaki and stuff like that. Um, but. It's kind of funny that once you dilute out the gene so bad with inbreeding that you almost like lose touch with that original gene and then you destroy it. Like, I, I work in the cannabis industry and I start seeing that if you continuously cut off of the same plant, that you'll start having the, uh, the genetics degrade. And I feel like that's a lot of what happened with these, a lot of these royal families, which would explain why there was so much uh, like mental illness through time. With a bunch of these different royal bloodlines, especially with like Rome, for example, they had a lot of very insane fucking people that were trying to rule Rome. And a lot of it was just linked to inbreeding and just the people being mentally insane because of this. Yeah, uh, Rome collapsed. Yeah. Yes, and that's could be a contributing factor.
3: <laughs> yeah, there, there's something about genetics that's interesting, too, where they found many species now. That have re-evolved, meaning the initial animal completely disappeared, extinct. The ecosystem disappeared. There's a, a Galapagos bird. I'd have to look up the name. I don't remember it off the top of my head. Uh, but its wetland ecosystem disappears. The bird essentially disappears for decades. It's gone, and then the ecosystem comes back, and the birds re-evolve out of another bird. So, are they exactly identically the same? No. You can trace their genes back, but it looks like the same bird. It's this weird thing where nature starts filling a gap towards the world that's around us. And I think there's a lot more of that going on where we are filling these gaps and these voids. So when I start to look at human beings over, you know, millennia, you know, where's the missing link? Well, maybe that's just not how life in the universe works. You know, the, the human being is here because the environment is suited for it, and therefore it is.
1: So it kind of goes back to that concept that life finds a way, like Mm -hmm. even in the like mycology world, um, it seems like there's always a fungus that pops up when it's needed and they change depending on what's going on at that current time and what the environment is. Like a good example would be if there's a lot of evasive species in an area, there'll be a lot more poisonous mushrooms that pop up. And if there's a lot of species that need something to eat, there'll be a lot more edible mushrooms that'll pop up. And a little bit more recent day type things that kind of pertain to that is they started finding fungus that eats plastics in the ocean, like the environment adapted because it knew that there was a problem. And there's actually this thing called, I think it's black fungi, that they started noticing that's in uh, Chernobyl, where basically it's a mushroom that eats radiation, almost like it's trying to correct the environment, and it's just kind of adapted to, can carry life on. And it seems like no matter what happens, there's always going to be some little piece of life that'll try to keep fighting, and it'll re... Rebuild the population that's needed in that area.
3: Oh, yeah, My, mycelium are absolutely fascinating when it when it comes to to what they do most people don't realize that mycelium create the world around you. They are creating the ecosystem. They are the ones that are deciding which plants get what which nutrients they are the middleman in that and they are ultimately creating the entire ecosystem of our world the air the environment and I've gone down this, this route, because to me, the, the greatest travesty that's happening to mankind isn't, the, you know, uh, the, the, the carbon, the, the pollution, uh, per se, it's the chemical, you know, every single chemical that you go and buy at your store is just getting dumped into the environment with zero consequence for it. And if you think of mycelium in this way that they, they're, they're really smart to creating an environment, well, maybe there were things in the environment that they needed. I mean, we create massive amounts of fertilizer that we use, that we pump into the ecosystem, those plastics. You know, I often joke that, you know, maybe the entire purpose of human beings was to make plastic, to create this ecological disaster, to fill this world with these pollutants. Because the next time that the world gets, you know, worked over and there's a cataclysm, there's going to be some new ingredients in the mixture as things get recreated. And I don't know, I just, I I almost kind of think that's beautiful in the way that, Um, If you don't burn the forest down, the forest becomes very, very unhealthy. And then a big burn can cause just, you know, damage that, that not irrecoverable, but takes way, 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 way longer for things to come back. But if things burn naturally, uh, things are stronger. The destruction brings more. So, yeah, I often wonder if this destructive course we're on isn't some prelude to a beautiful thing we just can't see.
1: See, I always like to say, too, that you have to destroy in order to rebuild. And a good example of this is I have a good friend that lives in Australia, and uh, he always he sent me this one picture one day that was basically a flower that he said it only grows after there's been a crazy fire that's destroyed half of the, everyone called forest, I guess, would be out there or outback or however they word it. But uh, yeah, there's, there's particular plants that'll only grow after there's been a fire, which kind of shows that that fire was needed in order for that plant to exist. So maybe the fires are needed and intentional in nature because you have to destroy everything in order for things to rebuild themselves.
3: Yeah, imagine a system in which any and all possibilities could happen, could be done. I mean, in an evolving system, you would need resets, you would need restarts, you would need pressure. I mean, just think about all the things that you won't do unless the consequences are to the absolute extreme. And If you want to go down to a a magical view or a a simulation view, um, you know, that we're in a world in which we can't see all of the the moving parts behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, if there's something else pushing us towards something greater, yeah, um, life and death that's where you would find it. You would find it on those hard extremes to push you to the next level.
1: And death is definitely a needed thing in life too, because it pushes people to actually progress and to do things. Like if people lived forever, there wouldn't be nearly as many advances through technology, through just how humans conduct themselves, because people wouldn't be worried about those types of things. It comes down to people have a short amount of time here, so they want to figure out as much as they can in that time. I don't want to die, but I am here
3: because of thousands of generations of people dying before me so for this to be i have to die and so yeah it's it's a finite experience that most people aren't willing to accept they're part of
1: just think about how many people in your ancestry had to pass away for one specific person to be here too that's one thing i always like to throw at people who uh, have like suicidal thoughts is Think about how many generations of people have fought and been through hard times and been through wars and been through famine and plagues, just so that you know what,
3: just the fact that you're alive, you are part of the toughest. I mean, we know that there has been cataclysm on this earth in which man has been reduced to a population of 2000 ish, you know, these super low numbers, like things have gotten so bad. We are all survivors. You know, we are all the strong. You know, the weak don't make it. so just by being here is proof. You know that you're on that that upper echelon of the genetics that have made it so far. So even being alive is just kind of a beautiful a beautiful gift. The wisdom um, that's been given to you, that's been passed down from generations. You know, it might not seem like much, but I mean, the, those simple words that change your life, that means something that you can pass on. I mean, that's power, and and you have that. You have the power to push forward a new generation
1: just think about how much stuff too is genetically already in your brain that you know that uh you know is because of previous generations before you like a fear of the dark there's a reason that people had that uh one fear that I always am still trying to figure out and I find it to be a very interesting thing is that we have this natural fear of things that look like humans so that also kind of brings back the possibility that there are or was different forms of humans and there may have been one that looked like a human but it wasn't didn't have good intentions. Uh, so now we have this natural fear of it, but because of that, we, we conduct our lives and live our lives a specific way because of these natural fears that we can be a stronger race. And if we didn't have these things instilled in us, it would almost be like lost knowledge that we'd almost have to relearn again. Oh yeah. And it's crazy how, how that stuff follows you. Um,
3: if you've ever been about and there in a helicopter flies over and the shadow is coming at you, the instinct to duck, to, to get close to the ground, to look for a threat. It is there, it is built into you and you react And that. And I love when something like that happens to me, cause I'm like, okay, you know, clearly, you know, in my lifetime, in my parents' lifetime, and you know, my, the foreseeable, you know, history of what we know, there were no apex predators that were plucking us out of the sky, but they had to have been there because something in me is making me fearful. I have that memory.
1: And that almost makes you wonder, too. There's a lot of people in the community that don't think dinosaurs existed at all. There's a lot that believe that they were way before humans. But just having fear like that almost kind of makes you wonder if it's a possibility that there were some type of giant prehistoric creatures that were here with humans that instilled that fear in us. And that just shows how long that's been genetically put into us, is that we had nothing like that in our lifetimes or in any of our ancestors' lifetimes that we know of that would instill that fear in us. So that just shows how strong these things can actually be and how fine yeah, and I mean, fine and tuned cho- into us they are. Children have nightmares of
3: monsters all the time and getting attacked by, you know, these creatures in the dark. Well, I mean, we don't live where there's wolves in the world that will eat you. Those monsters aren't being exposed to us, but children are still having those nightmares. Well, why is that? You know, it's because, you know, those were real things that existed and needed to be known about for our survival. But you know, we've got this very we've always got a, a fuse kind of burning, showing us this 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 long, slow burn of the past, which is what's crazy, because, I mean, we are not built um, uh, to be in the information world doing what we're doing. Like if you like to me, the, the one thing that sidelined man more than anything else is just our, our attention to sparkly things and screens you know, since the advent of, you know, movies and tablets, it's always just been moving
1: pictures and screens and that controls us. Say, and that also pulls people a lot away from books too, because I feel like there's a lot of knowledge that's within books and a lot of ancient books, but because of people having that they need, they need something quick, they need something fast right in front of them, uh, we lose track of all of this old knowledge that we would have if it wasn't for the fact that uh, we're, we're so in tune into watching movies and getting likes and all this kind of stuff. Like it takes It's a very specific group of people, I feel, nowadays that thoroughly enjoys reading books, and that's almost like something that's been pushed away, more so pushing us away from our natural way of being because we're so used to just everything being instant right in front of us. Even like food. People get pissed off when uh, fast food isn't instantly in your hand but it's like it takes a second to cook food and it almost scares me if somebody can hand me food that i ask for within 2 minutes but <laughs> well
3: but think about how efficient we have gotten you know it used to be two of the most valuable things in the world were fresh clean water and salt meanwhile you can go get those for free at any fast food restaurant and meanwhile i guess since covid it's not quite the the dollar burger but you know for 2 bucks you can Within five minutes, have somebody give you an animal that's been prepped, prepared, cooked, you know, cleaned, delivered to you on a bun out of, you know, wheat that was processed and grown. Somebody grew this lettuce. Somebody sliced the the tomato and then delivered it right here. Like that is that is an amazing like if you if you took yourself back, you know hundreds of years, or even just the thinking of the automobile, like, yeah, oh my gosh, you know, gas is, you know, pick your number. It's $10 a gallon. It could be $20 a gallon. You know, what is the power of how far for that, that amount of money you put for that gallon versus the amount of work that you would have to do to get a horse to give you that same power and that same distance and the same convenience of travel. So we're living on these weird levels of, you know, man, it's still way better than how it used to be. And yet we're, complaining about how bad it is
1: yeah exactly and it, it's like just think about the steps it would take to even produce a burger like that would be you got to grow the plants which takes a couple months you got to raise up a cow that would take i don't know exactly when you'd be able to eat a cow from the time that they were born maybe like once they reach the like veal's the pretty team. good but yeah even veal, but still it's it's a process it's not something that would be instant like just having the stuff that we have instantly nowadays would have taken you know couple months minimum like even like 30 40 years ago you know actually probably a little bit longer than that i keep forgetting that the 90s were 10 years ago (laughs) but going back to the early 1900s too just even uh think about how fast humans change just having the ability to drive a car being able to move that fast being able to get to different locations that fast it's almost made the world smaller in a sense because we have the ability to move to these places so fast and even same with the internet. Think about how long it took to send somebody a letter, and then it has to get to them, and then they have to write back, and then they have to send it back, and then you finally read it. It's it's a it's a process, and it takes a while, and there's a lot of steps. But humans become so efficient in technology that it's like you send an email, it's instant. They can read it instantly, send it right back, and you have a reply to a letter essentially within minutes versus within weeks. But yeah, it just it just shows how uh how 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 much we've really changed and how much we are changing and are going to continue to change through time. And as time continues, technology just keeps getting more and more sped up in how fast we advance in it. So it makes me wonder how, how far we're really going to be in the next couple of years. And if things keep progressing even faster, who knows after that couple of years, how much more advanced we might be in just a month versus what we've been doing for the past. Well, and
3: And you're never going to see it coming. You know, it's just like all these things that we've seen, you know, you've never seen them coming, but You know, if we really are all part of one big thing, and ultimately the internet and, you know, all this technology is just connecting us in more and more ways, you know, we can look at the past and go, yeah, there was a lot of disinformation out there. You know, you you don't, and I think it was way worse in the past because you had, you know, only so many newspapers, so many news stations, and that was your information source. Now, Way more BS information, but you also have access to the real information. You have access to it all, and so we're becoming more and more interconnected. And you know, I'm I'm a absolute believer that most people are fundamentally good and want to do good. Um, you know, it's all just how we are forced to justify, um, you know, our existence and the things that we do. So the more that we get that interconnection, I, you know, I don't ever think that the the system can fully uh, control or shut down the connectivity I think just by being by that that aspect just being there that we're going to continue this uh, progression to where things are slowly slowly getting better even though we think they're a lot worse right now
2: I was just going to say what's exciting too is as, as we go through this progression and we get to see people wake up more and more people wake up we get to see this um, kind of reframing of spirituality as technology like things like prayer and transcendental meditation uh, I know that Adam was talking about um, uh, world peace and world peace initiative done by what's his name? Adam. Lynn Uh, McTaggart. uh, It was a billion, like five, he's spent $5 billion on this world peace fund. We had it in the show notes a few episodes ago. It might've been McTaggart. Anyway, transcendental meditation. There is a a theory. Oh yeah. David Lynch. There you go. Yes. Uh, So as more and more people, wake up to these ideas and realize that we can't affect change just by doing things like getting together in large groups and focusing our energy on one one specific uh, you know goal to lower crime in a certain geographic region and this has actually been done right so as as these things become more prevalent throughout society. I'm excited to see how that translates over to other, you know, bleeds over into other areas.
3: Yeah. I think people have this fundamental misunderstanding that you can be technology. They've done an experiment where they can fire a single photon at a person's eye in a dark environment and ask a person, Hey, when you detect light, let us know. And so they have a beyond statistical accuracy, a really good accuracy of somebody saying, yeah, I see a flash of light. But the thing is, is in a laboratory, if you want to be able to detect a single photon on a chip, you need to have a, a semiconductor that's you know supercooled below zero. You know, well, that's a technology that we're able to do naturally that can't be done. So I I love I encourage people to go out there and find things that they're told shouldn't be real. Um, Dowsing rods, uh, not everybody can do them. That that was a huge um, uh, uh, game changer for me. I went to a paradigm symposium, saw somebody using them there. I went home and I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'll am i go ahead and make my own pair and, you know, see, see how these work. And my God, like, you know, they work, like they move, they, they react to the environment. And when you start going, okay, well, I I'm experiencing this here right now. And science tells me this doesn't exist. Um, I, I do a podcast on remote viewing and it's the same thing. Like you can pull information in ways through time, from other locations to where you shouldn't be able to, but once you prove that to yourself and you go, okay, well, science is telling me this stuff isn't real. Well, what else is possible? Because to me, it's anything is possible that, you know, we are only here because of like, I mean, I just, I, I, I think of like magic, true magic is a phone. Like if you look at it, it's just this device, but what did it take to get here? Somebody at some point in time had visions and thoughts and ideas that made this thing exist and no one person could make it be, you know, um, but it all ultimately comes together. But really it's just minerals and dirt and things that are constructed in a way around our thoughts. So
2: say so in Star Trek, right? The, the whole flip, flip phone thing came from Kirk and the, the, the communicator.
1: See, there's a lot of technology, too, that they say that uh, they got the idea to do it from old James Bond movies, and then they made it reality. <laughs> so it takes like a group effort in order to advance technology. And a lot of people want to see it as it's just one specific person. But almost every piece of technology isn't like that, because even if you have the idea for a phone in particular, that same person didn't have the idea for the Internet, for a camera, for the regular phone itself, uh, for text messaging. It's, it's a combined effort between people. And I feel like there's a lot of things and a lot of big advancements we could make as people if we just learn how to combine together to make something happen. Because I feel like people have definitely a lot more power than they think they do, but just because of the way the system's set up, it makes everybody feel small, and they make it seem like all of these things aren't possible. But the more you start researching into things and the more you start seeing things, the more these things become uh, seem seem a lot more real. Because I always like to say that uh, fact is stranger than fiction. And I haven't seen any different, especially coming into this community. There's a lot of things that I didn't believe in personally, where after I've experienced them, now I have had a lot of questions, and now I believe in them. One of the things is uh, tarot cards, for example, where I always had this, uh, like, I felt like there's a lot of people that just kind of play it off, and then I feel like there's people that actually have those abilities, but the problem is that it's so diluted out with the people that don't actually have the ability that it just looks like a joke. But realistically, you go into any religion... And you hear about um, basically things happening for a reason, uh, like a plan to things. So theoretically, if there is a plan to things and this universe has a way, that would mean that even with tarot cards, that there is like a particular reason why you saw the one that you did when you saw the one that you did. So just off of them themselves, there's a possibility of them being more accurate than we think they are. And that people in general have a lot more abilities than we think that we really do. It's all about having the right person for the right job, kind of like you were talking about earlier, where not everybody's intended to be a, like a swimmer like Michael Phelps, but if you have genetics that are close to his, then you're probably gonna have more of that ability. And descending through time, if there was, per, per se, like different types of people, um, who's to say one of them wasn't wise in psychic abilities, one wasn't wise in physical abilities, and just through breeding, they've all kind of become one race, But there's still people that have more of a genetic of one than the other. And that's why they have different abilities that not everybody can have. And just because other people don't have these abilities, they instantly assume that they don't exist, not willing to put the time and effort into it to realize that, again, not everybody's built the same.
3: Well, and I think people are very much think that they're passive in their environment. You know, you just have to look at the random number generator experiments that are done about random number generators running all over the world. And you can even take it into auditoriums and running these within groups, and you will get a fluctuation based on the mood of the crowd in the statistical difference of the numbers um, and even within world events. So you'll see this at the death of Michael Jackson, uh, the tsunami, um, uh, Fukushima, things like that. You'll get aberrations within the the uh, statistical aberration of these random number generators that seem to be directly related to human beings. So how is this little electronic machine that's off onto its side just Randomly calculating digits in the in just you know, on its own. How is that process being affected by the mass of human beings and their thought? And when you start to contextualize and just understand the the ramifications of of what that means and how powerful your individual thoughts are, and how they could be affecting the world
1: that's built around you. Everything that's here wouldn't have been built unless somebody thought of it first. That's mm-hmm. true. So, uh, continuing, um, since we're starting to wrap up to the end of the show here, and I know you said you had to leave at a specific time, uh, one thing that I always like to give the listeners is some words of wisdom. So, coming from both you guys, whoever wants to go first, uh, what is the best words of wisdom that you could give somebody with your life experiences?
2: Ooh, I like this. This is like a, a bonus question that we sometimes ask. Like, if you could give one piece of advice to future generations, what, what would it be? Um, Um, I would have to, unless Adam has anything like right on the tip of his tongue right now, I would have to say one piece of advice would be to uh, never stop asking questions about anything. No matter, even if you think you know the answer to the question that you've asked before, keep asking at least why or, or, you know, how or, uh, yeah, keep exploring, keep
1: asking don't fall into the curiosity killed the cat concept. Cause I always like to point out that if it wasn't for curiosity, people wouldn't advance and we wouldn't learn new things. So why is that such a commonly used phrase when it's just kind of putting people down all on its own? Absolutely. How about you, Adam, you got any words of where's the wisdom to leave the listeners with? Yeah. Um, mantras work, whether you
3: think they do or not, they, they are a real thing. So try them, see how it works in your world. And then start thinking about all the, uh, the inner dialogue uh, that you have that you might be sabotaging yourself with. Uh, it's really fun when you start going down those routes and trying to utilize these tools. Um, I, I I like to frame the, uh, I like to frame the, the world in that if you ask the the universe, a question, it's going to give you an answer, but it might not be the answer that you're looking for, or that you want to hear, but there's going to be an answer. So, you know, look at the world that way that, you know, uh, a door may be opened up for you, but if it's behind you, you're never looking at it.
1: Ain't that the truth. (laughs) So I guess to wrap it up here, then, uh, would you guys like to drop your information so that uh, the listeners can come find you if they enjoyed this conversation? Yeah, you
2: can uh, find everything at the website, which is 13questionspodcast.com. That's 13questionspodcast.com. You'll find links to all of our social media uh, accounts. Uh, we've got basically every platform you could think of at the moment, except, uh, Facebook because, uh, I don't like Facebook. Uh, (laughs) so, um, yeah, that's where you can, where you can find most of the, uh, information about the show is just on the website, really 13questionspodcast.com.
3: Yep. And if you are interested in remote viewing, I also do a podcast on remote viewing called cat in the box.
1: So, um, I guess I'll I'll be coming on to hopefully your guys' show soon, and then we'll flip the microphones around again. And uh, I'd love to have you guys come back on in the future. Um, Maybe you guys would be interested in doing some more spots where you guys aren't necessarily asking the questions. And now that I have more of a feel for you guys, maybe I can build up some, some better questions that are more tailored and specific to both of you guys
2: absolutely i'd love that um i'm a big believer in collaborating and i think that uh you know we're going to build the future because the system is currently uh, falling away and crumbling so whatever is going to be left is what you see so
1: (laughs) (laughs) this has been another episode of inquiries of our reality i hope that these words resonated with you and i hope you have a good night wherever you are thanks everybody